1: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily
0: bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. With me, Russell Driver. My co-host Peter isn't with us today, but I will be joined um, with. Uh, One of our lovely sponsors, uh, Mr Raymond Wright, the gent, who will be uh, talking through his opinions on Caicedo and the transfer window and what he thinks of the season so far. And of course, about the game at the weekend in which we got another victory, cracking one of our tough nuts, uh, Bournemouth, along the way. All of that to come up, but first of all, and um, before the match, I took a little bit of audio um, with Duncan, John, and Chris, friends of the show, um, outside the Amex before the match, and also caught up with a um, Japanese TV guy who was also in the vicinity at the same time. So let's hear that first, and then it'll be back with me and with Raymond. And so, we turn our attentions to the next week of football. We're outside the Amex, it's pre week. We're not doing a match day special, this is just part of our next episode, broadcast midweek. Uh, I'm with Duncan, I'm with John and I'm with Chris. Uh, Chris, you were at the Liverpool game last weekend weren't you? FA Cup? No you weren't. John wasn't. Duncan, were you there? Yes. Alright, Duncan. Let's start
1: with me then. Let's start
2: with you. <laughs> what do you think of the game last week? Firstly,
1: uh, really great that you've organised the samba band for us. Yeah, by personal arrangements. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a great game. Um, well, everyone's talked about it, and dissected it, but just amazing. Yeah. Um, um, what what a winner! Uh, incredible, 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 incredible goal at the end. I resigned myself for the last 20 minutes, thinking they were going to nick it so the pleasure and the enjoyment was just completely yeah uh, went exponential at the end there when we got it put on hold of course by fucking var but then we celebrated twice and uh just double uh, bubble double bubble and Um, what do you think about
2: liverpool turning into leeds in the last 15 minutes
1: (laughs) no fantastic bless them bless them they were the dirtiest 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 Team. I mean Fabinho just he, he knew he was going to be sent off with a red card the look on his face yeah, when, yeah. He, when he watched the old match of the day after and then uh, and then absolutely nothing and subsequently all the post-match analysis all the commentators pundits uh, referees yeah.
2: I've all said that's a straight red And <laughs> My mate Matthew Laguna In our midweek pubcast Yeah Which I'm sure you've already listened to Don. I have actually Oh yeah There was a lot of background noise Yes it was I a And I think it's a theme Yes <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping that going But well, he said that Klopp Had a permanent look of confusion yeah. On his face Or does in general now Yeah I mean he must do Well it must be Punch drunk uh, Look really After having a couple yeah. of games At the Albion Yeah exactly Yeah a Klopp fusion Is that what Yes Something like that <laughs> <laughs> right, switch it to Chris. I know you weren't at the game, Chris, we've no. just discovered, but you watched the game, no doubt. I did. Do you have any agitations about how yeah. the officiating went, or is there any more to say about the game, on top of what Duncan said, on the positive side? I think Gilmore changed it up a bit when he came on. Yeah. I think it was, um, yeah, he definitely stepped in his ship, probably laid the platform for the winning goal. Um, I'm not sure how much of it was him, or how much of it was Liverpool's poor substitutions. But yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad he's starting today, so I think he deserves it. Yeah. Just um, distracting me in the background, Duncan's now gone off to chat to four oriental looking guys, who've got Albion scarfs on, uh, who do look very Japanese to me. Yeah, yeah, I think they are, I, I can distinguish, I who as my other half is, 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 is from that area. I think Mitoma's starting. Just a quick word, John, about Mitoma. Mitoma, let's get the name right here. Mitoma. He's uh, he's something else, isn't he? The goal loss uh, last week was actually beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah working on. Yeah. yeah. Alisson's dad was on the last uh, the match day special, and he said he reckons that's the best forward he's ever seen play for the club. Would you go that far, or do we need to wait a while for that? That's some good accolade. That yeah, 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 I mean, been he's been watching since the 70s. Yeah, yeah, early 70s.
1: Got a lot more experience than yeah. I have, but yeah, uh, I don't know. He does look amazing. I've just been speaking to those Japanese television crews. So they are Japanese, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they said he's he's going to be much better than he is now. That's what they just said. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who do they think they are, Roberto Di What are they say he's on sixty percent of his potential. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. They said, just wait. Yeah. Well, that's the pre-match vibe, just to get the, a sense of the atmosphere today. As Duncan just mentioned, there's a Japanese TV crew, all in Albion tops and scarves, I hasten to add. Another lady randomly walking by of Oriental uh, description as well. This is, this is going off the scale, isn't it? Where yeah. the hell's this all come from? Yeah. And where I mean, are they getting the tickets? It's almost <laughs> as though like we've got a very popular Japanese player playing yeah. for us and scored, scoring goals for us, so it's... He's uh, going to score today, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. almost uh, so. I might see a goal for Lampsy today as well. Yeah, yeah. He deserves uh, one. It's okay. Newman Yeah, it's Yeah, great. yeah, so yeah. I mean, yeah. As well. Absolutely, it's Bournemouth today. Yeah. We really need to meet them. At least Hal's not in the equation. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, okay. amidst these throbbing beats from my left, uh, we'd better cut this off and get some beer in. <laughs> okay, one more bit from pre-Bournemouth. We've just been chatting with Minio, who is a Japanese gentleman who is with Japanese media here for the first time at the Amex Stadium as well. Welcome to Brighton. Welcome to the Amex. How have you found? Oh, sorry, early experience. We're outside the ground before the game. But how have you found it? It's really amazing atmosphere here. Yeah lots of people and nice music around. yeah quite loud music <laughs> yeah, yeah. and tell us where you're from from in terms of the media and what what, what exactly your your uh, relatives uh, t- from TV asahi yeah and following the mitoma ah, for, surprise surprise <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Get the so, so the media company you're with is that is, is, is tv, company. Yeah, TV yeah, company yeah 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 and what are they doing in in general are they uh, they got a particular plan no, we to cover we have an interview tomorrow you have an interview with yeah. the player ah excellent brilliant well good luck with that thank you thanks for joining us we're, we're loving the interest from japan okay. it's great the more the merrier so yeah. thank you thank you and it's great to chat to you thank Cheers. you Yeah, so plenty of excitement in the build up to the game. And as we now know, it was a victory, a 1 0 win for us against Bournemouth. And that man, Mittima, who the Japanese TV crew were over to cover for the weekend and who were interviewing on the Sunday. Um, must have been pleased because he was the centre of attention. He got the all-important winning goal with his second header, actually, as well. So we'll get on to all of that in a moment. But first of all, just to introduce my guest uh, who is on for the episode. It is, as mentioned at the intro, uh, Mr Raymond Wright, the gent. Welcome back to the podcast, Raymond. How are you?
0: I'm very well. and Happy New Year. I think it's the first time I've been
2: on the podcast this yes. year. And, um, really, and it really is so uh, far. Uh, okay.
0: Just clarify one thing: It isn't the second header that uh, Mitoma has ever made for the Albert. It's his second-headed goal.
2: <laughs> oh yes, that's what I meant. Yes, indeed. Yes, that's true. <laughs> we've had, we've seen some headers we'd rather not have seen from him. Was it the Everton game? I can't remember where he ballooned a couple over. Um, can't remember now. But anyway, yes, his second-headed goal. You're right, absolutely. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about the match shortly. But first of all, just to catch up, as you said, you haven't been on for a while. Um, we've just passed the halfway stage of the season and um, half-time report, really, slightly belatedly. Um, what have you made of it so far uh, in general for the team, both under Graham in the very early stages, but particularly under Roberto? And also, probably get your views in a minute on the transfer window and the Caicedo saga as well. But um, but what have you made of the Albion, first of all, um, in this first half well, season?
0: the fact that we're in sixth place currently. Is obviously says a lot. We've got a a game in hand in one or two people, which I think it's worth mentioning. Um,
2: and two in hand on
0: Spurs as well. I mean, it's last season we scored forty two goals in the league in in the thirty eight matches. Um, I don't want to put a hex on it, but uh, so far in twenty matches we've scored thirty eight goals. So yeah. you know, we've, we've almost sort of got a a normal season's total, past season's total, in already this season, which is very encouraging. And I think a lot of that is down to um, uh, Roberto. I mean, it's uh, changed. But we were playing more positively in that respect prior to Potter leaving, uh, most notably the game against Leicester, the 5-2 victory. But the actual sort of attacking play has been much more vibrant and I think much more incisive um, than it has been with the goals coming across quite a wide range of players. Uh, I, I think I'm correct in saying um, these, some of these stats might be for all goals in all competitions, but I think we have Trossard, Mitema, uh, Gross, all on seven goals. Yeah, um, And I think McAllister as well. And mm-hmm. then uh, um, one or two other people have got a few goals behind that. So it, it really does demonstrate that the goals are coming from all parts of, of the field. Young Ferguson has scored three goals, so it's uh, um, uh, it's looking good. Even Danny Welbeck, who had a, a long run without scoring, but was playing well otherwise, um, has got a couple of goals, one in the league, one out, not in the league. Um, so you know, uh, Mr Duncan got a goal the other day, so you know, it's it looks encouraging. They're Um uh, Playing with confidence, uh, very attractive football, uh, lots of movement. Um mm. And there's been no uh, diminishing of the side with the change of coach. Uh, I suppose it's unusual that a new manager gets appointed when a side is doing well. Mm. You know, I mean, imagine a, a club at the top of the league with a 10-point a lead over the nearest challenger. Mm. sort of Solid changing manager, it wouldn't happen, would it?
2: <laughs> no, that's right. A vast majority are, are for reasons of it having gone wrong at whichever club. Yeah, just on, on the matter of the, the top scorers. You're right. It is Grosch, Mitoma, Mitoma, sorry, Trossard and McAllister all on seven. Uh, March and Ferguson on four. So Fergie's already up to four now, including uh, in the cup as well. Lalana on three. Welbeck is now notched two alongside fellow striker Undaf. Um, albeit in the Cup, um, or the Cups, I should say, both Cups. Um, and then you've got Lampte, Caicedo, Alzate uh, in the League Cup, at Forest Green and Dunk are all on one. Um, so it's interesting that we had an issue with scoring in general. We had an issue with an out-and-out striker that was scoring. Even when Welbeck was playing well earlier in the season, um, he wasn't actually getting the goals, even though he was creating a lot. And we did feel that we needed to get more goals from midfield. And I mean, looking at the list, you've got Groshu's is a midfielder, Mittimer as a wide attacker. So it's Trossard, McAllister is a midfielder, March is a wide attacker, which you could, all of which you could deem as being midfielders in one sense. Um, I mean, Salah's midfielder on fantasy football, isn't he? For example, and Rashford as well, for some reason. Anyway, um, and then you've got only, you have to go down to Ferguson, uh, and Welbeck and Nundav as the only three strikers, although they've got, eight goals between them. So that is an improvement probably on previous times. Um so the goals are coming from, as you said, from all over the pitch. And it's I think it's symptomatic of the the style of football that we play, both under Graham and particularly under Roberto, an expansive develop and stretch the game and try and create the space and have runners coming in, in to fill the gaps type of football. The difference being, of course, that Solly's having more impact in the final third. mittimers really, really stepped on and on. And although we've lost Trossard, that hasn't been a problem because we've had um, both mittimer on, on the left and Ferguson coming in and doing well in the centre. Um, and it's it's been brilliant. Uh, it's, it's superb, isn't it, to see, as you said, this is going to be a... Uh, Borrowing a miracle. It should be our um, our record scoring, really, this season in the Premier League era, at least. Um, I uh, (laughs) I think
0: it's worth just just adding to that, that with um, RDZ, that the the movement of the players around, they sort of rotate. So taking the goal we scored against Bournemouth as an example, Hmm. um, Mitter was actually out on the left wing and and Sambienta was further in. And the ball comes to uh, Mitterma just outside the corner of the penalty area on the left as we're attacking. And passes the ball, moves in, and there are two or three or four passes more. But Sarmiento, in the meantime, has actually moved out to the left wing. So suddenly Sarmiento is actually in the place the Mitterma was. Hmm. Sarmiento does a very good cross. And lo and behold, nobody's picked up on Mitterma who's actually been uh, you know, not far outside the goal area, I and mean, he's been about sort of thirteen, fourteen 14 years from the goal line, hmm. moves forward as he sees it's going to be crossed, comes in and heads and gets the goal. Yep. And by that rotating movement, it's difficult for the players to continually mark the player. they could be marking the space. And yes. if they lose track of what's happening in the space, so one hmm. or two of Ferguson's goals have been a little bit the same. That people had lost him, in inverted commas, when he's been in the penalty area, mm. either th- through lack of movement <laughs> or moving away from the obvious place before coming back. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that was... And even, I mean, Undav. I mean, people may have read of the fact that Undav missed about three chances in about two and a half seconds in the match. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, he he created the whole tran- the chance himself initially um, he was standing quite still when the goalkeeper was clearing the ball and obviously just to pick up under and hit it straight at under. who mm-hmm. intercepts it, goes forward, um, has a shot, shot blocked, has another shot, good save, has a third shot. But actually, it was caused by the movement or the non-movement in that instance uh, to do it. Um, um, uh, unlike most of our things when we waste chances, Two of them were on target. Yeah, the other third was almost on target. It hit the post. <laughs> yes. so yeah. he, was, he, he was working the goalkeeper, as it were. So mm. after when we get a chance, those sort of chances, the sort of easiest chances to score from, we've played it over the ball or past the post or this, that, and the other. So, so even the, in a scenario that was disappointing, there were a lot of positives.
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's still... A work in progress. Roberto De Derby said that uh, we're, we're about 60% of our potential, in his opinion. And when we had that um, the, the invited event to, to meet him and David Weir and uh, Paul Barber um, as one of the supporter groups um, a few months ago, he, he was saying, I, I asked him the question, in which regards do you think we can improve? What have you seen from players that you think we can improve? In? And he said, well, there's all sorts of things we can still do. Uh, all of the players can improve, and he strives for perfection and that he would never expect to achieve perfection because he thinks it's impossible. But he's always striving to do that. And He said he'd give up football if he achieved it. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone will achieve perfection because there's too many variables every single week, isn't there? But I do think that um, he's improved players. I think he's made us more expansive and he's made us more... Uh, swashbuckling I think uh, underused expression in football haven't heard that for a while uh, yeah more of a swashbuckling team we're, we're brave on the ball we've got balls as he likes to to call it and he's improved in certain individuals such as Solly March to the great advantage of the club overall and I'm delighted with the way it's gone I mean I'm sure you are as well um, but the notion that we're only on 60% or, or that was that was two, three weeks ago he we said it I assume he means we're still around the same now um that's that's pretty exciting isn't it to think that in his mind um even if it's a psychological trick or something like that rather than an assessment um, but it suggests that in his mind we've got more potential Do you see that and do you see that in no, I, the next I'd,
0: I'd be interested in asking him what percentage level he thinks we could get up to if we're at 60 percent and we can't hit 100 percent,
2: yes are we
0: capable <laughs> how far up can we get are we capable of getting up to eighty-seven, eighty-eight percent for the sake of argument, or not even 90 percent, um, yeah.
2: That, that's what I had in my head as well, actually. Yeah,
0: um, but it's uh, I, I'm not sure, sure it's everybody talk, talks about formations. And at that same meeting, I asked about the formations because I feel to a large degree where people, are, although they're not sort of expressing it like that, almost going back to the original um, goalkeeper, two full backs, three half backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, inside forward, centre forward, wingers, sort of type, sort of W-type formation up front, um, and but looking at it more closely with uh, Roberto, I actually, although normally it's a back four, I think the reality is it's a back two, so it's almost like two centre half fullbacks, say say Duncan Colwell or Webster or whoever, and then effectively you've got a four, which is the the right back, a Lamptey or a, a Gross, who Gross has been playing there quite a lot recently um, with the two sort of pivotal as it almost wing halves in, in McAllister and, and Casino and then you've got Esther Pinin as the other sort of, uh, sort of wide player out there um, and then you've got your inside forward and sort of almost a the withdrawn centre forward, but or advanced centre half, if I could put it that way, um, in the number ten role, and 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 but the two inside forwards are either side of him, which at the moment are March and with Alana when he's fit. In the, I mean when he's fit, um, which seems to be on an occasional basis. Um, the, and then you've got your traditional centre forward. He seems to fa- favour um, whether it be Ferguson or Undab or Perhaps
2: Welbeck. Interesting that Welbeck's been playing in the number ten role though recently. Yes, it, yes, it is. It's uh, it, it is interesting. I think we we are playing it in that sense, aren't we? So there's the overlaps and there's the overrunning, and as you said earlier about the, the interchangeability of people arriving in different bits of the pitch. Also, it's really hard to mark. I've always been a fan of that sort a of fluid attacking system when you've got the players and the enthusiasm and the the tempo and the belief to do it it works really well. And um, with the, Bournemouth were a very difficult team to break down. I think we've we've cracked a couple of nuts, as I said there, which we've not been able to before. Teams sitting deep against us, we've, we've tended to have problems with that. And looking through the season so far, obviously you look at games such as Newcastle, where I don't think they were at their best at the time, Newcastle, and certainly not the Nottingham Forest game, where they looked a very poor side, but just well-organised. And for us to not be able to break down a team that is really at the time, no better than well-organised, isn't really good enough. Um, but we've seemed to have found a way to... And that obviously was a Roberto Di game as well, one of his early games. And um, We seem to have found a way to win in games recently. I know we didn't beat Leicester, but we had a penalty cruelly denied us and we probably would have won that game anyway. The the Bournemouth game, we found a way to win. And in the Cup against Liverpool, when it wasn't looking like we were going to get the result, we found a way to win. And and that was tomorrow as well, of course. Um, so it's encouraging, I think, that we are breaking one of our biggest issues down a bit there. We've been playing some flamboyant football, some good football, getting some goals, and we we've we've had some good games against big sides, both with Roberto and prior to that, with Graham. Um, but cracking these difficult nuts has been the difficult thing. Incidentally, we've um now we've had we've had a four-nil against Man United, we've had a three-nil against Spurs, we've had a four-one against Chelsea, a three-nil against Liverpool. Um, we've beaten four of the big six. By three goals or more at some point in the last um, well year or so um, and that's quite encouraging isn't it <laughs> not too bad we could do a doing that against Arsenal but I think that might be difficult this season um, but anyway yeah well, so- I, mean,
0: well, that, I mean we we did score two goals against them and, yeah. and we and we were very unlucky I mean it was a very very close decision mm. uh, middle was very unlucky not to be have scored another goal and yeah. in fact Some refs, like Jermaine Gallagher, for example, felt that the goal should have been allowed. So, I mean, Mm. yes, we might not have beaten them, but really the result, perhaps I'm I'm biased, um, should have been 4-3. And to score three goals against Arsenal in the sort of form they're in is actually...
2: Without our our best two midfielders as well.
0: With with a weakened team. And uh, at the end of the day, um, we did actually put the ball in during play, three times the net, the fact that one was ruled out, it, hmm. didn't, I mean, it doesn't stop the fact we actually scored, uh, got the ball where it should be. Um, the fact that yeah, whether it's rightly or wrongly ruled out it is it's a moot point. But, yeah. you know, we scored in a vertical, it good goals. So um, it means that if, if our defence had been tighter, it would have been better. But on the other hand, we had something like 68% possession, if I'm not right, and Arsenal only had about 32 So... They they were scoring on sort of on breakaway um, mm. attacks, and it was just odd little small errors.
2: Yeah, I mean that, that was interesting because we didn't have our, our key midfielders there, and Arsenal player possession based football and did win the game. You would imagine we, we, they would have had more possession in that match. It's interesting, isn't it? And I think one of the Liverpool games we thought we felt like they had more possession, and turned out we did. Um, yeah, it's interesting. What I was going to say, um, let's steer it towards Bournemouth. Um, Uh, one of, one of the, well, two things to mention. First of all, we were missing both of those midfielders again. I think this is only the second time this season. So that's where we've also cracked another nut because we've, um, I know we, we got the goal after Caicedo came on, but we didn't have, um, both of them on until very late and in the game there. Um, so, uh, sorry. Well, um, no, we didn't have McAllister at all. Sorry, because he wasn't in, in there. So we had none of them at the start and we only had Caicedo on for about half an hour and we still got.
0: And no Lalana, no Ferguson.
2: Well, um, yes, exactly, and and we're missing other people that we might have wanted to use, like Webster as well, uh, from the starting lineup. But yeah, with that weakened starting lineup and that issue with breaking down low blocks, we still managed to get the result. And um, we had the, mid, the central midfield. Well, the, the full lineup was Sanchez in goal. We had Veltman back in Dunk and Estupiñan for the. The main defenders were Lampty as, as the wing back on the right and, and Mitterma playing, uh, on the uh, left side. Um, and then we had Grosh and Gilmore as the centre midfield partnership with March and Undav further forward and then Welbeck. Um, difficult to say exactly what formation. I think it was, and Undav.
0: It was. Undav.
2: Undav. Yeah. And um, so Gilmore, so you, you have Scottish heritage, Raymond. Um, Billy Gilmore, I mean, Jurgen Klopp at the beginning of last season, when he was on loan at Norwich, described Gilmore as possibly the best and most exciting Scottish talent for 50 years, which is basically alluding back to the dold Gleasch type of era, um, which is some accolade. Um, this is based on what he'd seen of him obviously playing for Chelsea. Didn't have a great season, actually, on loan at Norwich, because I think it was a bit of a dysfunctional setup there, really, and he was a bit of a scapegoat for the fans. But he's not really had any chances because of those really good central midfielders that we've got the double pivot of McAllister and Caicedo um it's only his second start of the season in the league and he, he's um he did okay didn't he I think he did well when he came on against Liverpool in the cup match I think him and the formation helped us get a better grip on midfield in that match and then he's rewarded with the start uh, in this game knowing that we were going to miss our our main two guys um how did you feel he did, and how, how do you think he's settling in now uh, halfway through this season?
0: Well, I, I think you're right to point out the difficulty he has with McAllister and Casino um, ahead of him um, in the double pivot, partly mm. because they work so well together, um, partly because they are quite powerful in the tackle and uh, good at winning the ball, and he's a different type of player. But you know, we are talking about two players of, who are probably world-class. And he's just slightly unlucky. He joined a club with, you know, um, two of you know, the best, I don't yeah. know, certainly uh, probably top top ten or, or so central midfielders in the Premier League. But, uh, I mean, how many other teams have got the double pivot of two absolutely world-class players? I mean, McAllister showed what he was about um, for Argentina, and didn't Messi become much more alive once McAllister was playing and getting the ball to him on a regular basis? Exactly. And also, also making playing like further forward than he does for us, but making the runs into the box and you know, for taking defenders with him and, and providing Messi with with, with the space um, and, and Alvarez um, as well. In fact, they've got other people like Felix and others around. I mean, the, the trip, that change of team in Argentina after their loss to Saudi Arabia, yeah, I, know, I mean, changed the whole tournament. Um, but I think it's worth. I think he's. I think Gilmore was very industrious. I thought both he and, and, and on uh, uh, against Bournemouth, they worked really hard. They were coming back, collecting the ball, going forward, uh, keeping the ball moving all the time, making sure that they were available. And I think Gilmore was part of that. And, and I mean, it led to us having 71% possession in that game. It becomes quite difficult for a side to play well. And even though they made two or three chances, um, you know, it's, if you've only got 29% possession, you have got obviously obviously a lot less chances to score. And if you have, um, you have less potential to make chances as well. So I think that's the difference. And I think some credit to it. And I think as long as he's patient, I think he will get the game time. He's only 21. People forget that he's only 21. He came on and, and had that big impact in that international for Scotland against England at Wembley. Yeah. Um, I think it was 17, uh, wasn't it he? was, was man, of, man of the match that day.
2: Yeah. It was a
0: little draw, I know. But nonetheless, he was the, the player that, that caught the eye for Scotland that day. Mm.
2: And he, he made his debut. I think it was a Champions League game, albeit a, uh, a late sub in a 4-0 win um and also then i think, made...
0: second game, actually. I think he he, he okay. came up, i think a week earlier but off the bench
2: oh right okay yeah then, and then and he then had then a start started, in...
0: and then started yeah. the next mm. one which was a 4-0 win admittedly it was a, a dead rubber
2: yeah yeah
0: but you know in the sense that chelsea had already qualified but nonetheless you you know you go on and, and you and you win 4-0 <laughs> you know, still good
2: experience I mean. isn't it yeah, still good
0: experience. Yeah. but he is only 21 and it will come and And uh, Roberto thinks there's more to come from him. He obviously thinks he's a good player and just thinks he will improve. But I think it can quite often take a long time, quite a long time for a player to come into a club and and if there's a settled team, to actually get up to speed with it, to know where people want the ball passing and all that sort of thing. And I I was encouraged, although he, he got forward and had a couple of shots I mean, one was only just very narrowly wide just before he was substituted. And for a brief second, very brief, even quarter second, I thought he might have scored as the, the side-netting sort of <laughs> ripple, But it was the wrong yeah. side for post, sadly. But, uh, and it would have done his confidence a lot of good had he scored, obviously. And we would have had a goal that much earlier. But I think it's... Uh, you know, it, I think if, if we're going to qualify for Europe, if we were to qualify for Europe, we've got to have people... Backing up the, the starting eleven, like Gilmore, we've got to have people of that quality. We've uh, mm. got to have forward because you, you can't have be playing in Europe and have the domestic competition without a uh, quality squad with some depth. Yeah. So uh, I think it's a player. Very interesting article in the Athletic. Uh, yeah, I was just going
2: to mention that. Yeah, Andy Naylor presumably wrote it um, to do with his comparison with Casado, wasn't it? Saying that Casado yeah. is very. He's very uh, dictating of the play, uh, which which is what Gilmore likes to do. But I think the comparison was that at the moment Gilmore doesn't have the 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 um, uh, impositional kind of physique and doesn't have the the power or the tackling ability that Casado does. I think they compared to that. Casado came on in the fifty seventh minute for Gilmore in this game. Managed to get his his customary yellow card. Incidentally, uh, somehow again, uh, I think this time for talking back to the ref. But anyway, he he, he only had um fifty seventh minute until the end of stoppage time. Uh, he he got in four tackles, I think, um, versus Gilmore's one, um, something like that. And um, so, Caicedo is is much more of that um, marshalling the area just in front of the defence, isn't he? I think he's. He's stronger in that regard, and he can still get forward and do all the other stuff Gilmore can do. But I think Gilmore, as you said, he hasn't had as much game time. Uh, I think Casado must already have a number of games on him already in general in their careers, uh, because Gilmore's been playing for Chelsea and not getting much time. I don't think he was getting games every week for Norwich in the end, and obviously he hasn't been for the Albion either. Whereas Casado, um, you know, he's, he's already made his name last season. He's already had... Roughly 30 appearances, hasn't he? I think nearly 30 games for us. Um, it will take time and it would take a succession of games in consecutive order for Gilmore to get up to the sort of level that anyone else that's performing in that team would do. So it's understandable, really, isn't
0: it? I think it's a slightly um, unfair comparison, Gilmore, to, um, to Casino, because we, we are talking about um, you know, one of... you know. The top players in um, in his position in in Europe, yes. let, um, sort yes. of the PL. Yes. I mean, the fact that we turned down an offer of seventy million, which nobody seems to have denied or argued about, um, for Casido. I mean, just shows what his value is. And he has this instinct of knowing. I mean, from a defensive viewpoint, but but generally knowing where the ball's going to go and being where the ball is going to be, which is why he's able to make the tackles, why he's able to make the interceptions. And I think his reading of, of the where the ball will go sort of two or three passes ahead of where it, when it gets there hmm. is outstanding. And his his possibility that when he gets the ball, he moves it forward. And to be fair, I think Gilmore does the same. Gilmore, hmm. I think, has, like because, you know, he's not somebody who is doing a defence-splitting pass. He's moving it forward positively rather than backwards. We're I mean, not allowed to Dale Stevens backwards, sideways, backwards, backwards, sideways, backwards. Oh, uh, that's slightly forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, I mean, it was a different era and a different style of play that that, that Dale was playing in under under Horton, but it's uh, Houston. But, mm. you know, I mean, but, but nonetheless, I think they both like to move the ball forward, keep the attack. And the progression down the pitch, and I think it's that the big difference is in in the defensive work, and also I think Casida's got that much much fitter because he's been playing regular matches. I mean, I think he's a very good athlete, but and I think and I think Gilmore hasn't yet got up to the sharpness to be able to do the tackles or or read or, or read it as much. I mean, if you're only playing, getting a few minutes here and there. You know, it's it's difficult to, yeah, uh, I think really settle into a team and, and you know. Mm. Well, I mean somebody like like Roche on on Saturday for all his hard work, and and he did some good passes, but he wasn't making some of the um, really sort of defense beating passes that he can do.
2: Mm. Yeah. And I think there's yeah, we weren't at our best. I don't I don't think we, we still weren't at our best. I I thought that um well um the the other yellow cards were Duncan Veltman, by the way. I think Veltman's someone that's probably struggled a little bit under De Zerbe. He hasn't really quite shone and he's been in and out of the team a bit, which doesn't help. Um what I, I did find was it was interesting he kept him on for the match, even though he had that booking. Um DeSerby did make five changes, which he's often want to do. Um, we mentioned Casado coming on for Gilmore on 57 minutes. That was paired up with Sarmiento coming on for Welbeck. So we changed the formation a little bit. So Welbeck was uh, was coming off. Sarmiento was playing either in that replacement number 10 position, or as you said, drifting out and creating spaces and doing different things. Uh, there was another pair of subs on 75 minutes, which is Enciso coming on for Undav and Buenanote making his debut only two or three weeks after he had a serious-looking injury after falling badly from high up in the air and injuring his neck, it seemed. Um, he came on for Lamptey and played as um, as that advanced right-sided um, player for the Albion. And then the later sub was Webster coming on just to shore things up just after the goal, I think it was, for March on 89 minutes. Um, so firstly, thumbs up to Buenonate making his debut. And he was involved in the build-up play, wasn't he, to the goal, Not not immediately, um, directly before it, but he he spread the ball across, um, uh, from right to left. Yeah. The ball ended up out on the left hand side, and as you said, Sarmiento found himself over there after receiving a pass, I think, from Mittima and got back into uh, well, got the ball back into the box for Mitima to head it. Um, not really much to see of Buenanote, but I'm delighted to see him come in so soon. Also, by the way, I'm delighted to see your pronunciation of um, Mittima. So many people get it wrong, and fair enough, and I think. Uh, Mitoma is an accepted term that he's probably happy enough with. But uh, I'm impressed, Raymond. Very good work. Um, <laughs> um, wh- what I was going to say was I, I was relatively impressed with elements of Bournemouth as well. They're, they're organised. They had a uh, lot But they've they been quite potent on the attack, weren't they? they were quite dangerous. Yeah, there was one guy in particular, I'm
0: trying to think of his name, um, sort of left wing back almost, who was very quick down the left.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Um, can't remember. He,
0: his name. He, he stretched us quite a lot. Something like, it's a name like Sanchez, but it wasn't Sanchez, but it was that sort of thing.
2: Um, was it Zamora? Was he playing left wing yeah, back? Zamora.
0: That's it, yeah. 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 Sorry, mm. I know. It's not, nothing like Sanchez, but you know what I mean. You have got
2: that from <laughs> Spanish, sounding, <time>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I thought, I mean, he was, I mean, watching him from the side when, when he was playing the far side away from where uh, I was sitting, his just sheer pace. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, you know, Mr. Usain Bolt would have had difficulty in the first <laughs> 30 meters. I don't think Bolt, Bolt would have, from a standing start, I don't think Bolt would have been, would have got past him in 30 meters. Mm. And that's he might funny, have been too. longer because Bolt's a lot longer legs would come into play. But mm. I thought this guy has really serious pace and he was um, he, he was exposing us. And, and fortunately, um, you know, we were in control of the game by the time we took Lamptey off. One of the reasons I think you know, Lamptey was important was we needed somebody at pace on the, on, on the right flank there to, to help combat that. But notwithstanding that, he, you know, the, most of their best moves came down that flank. Yeah. And, and I- he was the person causing the problem.
2: Yeah, I think I think if we look at relegation, we probably you would probably have to include predicting. I would say probably possibly Bournemouth, maybe Leeds, who sacked. Um, of, of course, um, Jesse Marsh. Uh, by the way, since our last podcast, he's been sacked after their uh, miserable defeat at Nottingham Forest, who uh, looks at quite a poor side again. I think Forest might end up with enough to survive. If they do, I think Leeds uh, and I think Bournemouth and Southampton might be in some trouble here. We'll see how that pans out. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. But I think Bournemouth at least have the look of a team that might have something on the counter, which I didn't feel the same about with Nottingham Forest, which was a similar game earlier in the season. Um, so, I mean, that's something to say for them. What I was also impressed with was how they managed to only get one yellow card to our three, which was for Smith. Um They certainly should have had at least one more. And the referee, who apparently was Michael Oliver, but clearly wasn't, it was Craig Pawson. I don't know why there was a change, but there was a change of referee for the the match. Pawson was dreadful in this game. Lots of um, niggly-type fouls were given the wrong way. Uh, I think um, the benefit of the doubt wasn't given at the right time. I think the flow wasn't given at the right time and was held up at the wrong time. And what I most got up with was at one point when Bournemouth were... Still holding on for the nil nil, and the ball had gone out of play on the far side as I look at it, the near side as you look at it in the east, and um, it was blat- well, the ball was it dead. Got, it was blatantly it kicked away. away. Yeah, it was as a completely away,
0: separate action. And, and Absolutely,
2: yeah, it's a completely separate action. There's no ambiguity about did it bounce off him or did he kick it away? He definitely kicked it away, and we always get penalised for that or less. How come their guy? It was, gets- more, or less, it was
0: more or less right in front of me, and he got hold of the ball. he stopped yeah. them, uh, getting it and then he put it down he kicked it away i mean it was yeah. I mean, uh, so premeditated and obvious
2: um yeah um, i mean it's what, a good job I, peter's not on this podcast i so would have 10 minutes of ranting on this one because uh, it, uh, it's infuriating and it's so inconsistent uh, in terms of the rules being applied, and it's so nonsensical. It's such a clear cut one. No one would ever have any issue with that. Bournemouth knew what they were doing. They would have happily taken the yellow, just in the same way that uh, Fabinho would have happily taken a red against uh, against us in the cup. You know, there's certain offences that the player knows what they've done, and they're expecting their medicine, and we don't seem to be able to administer it. Um. Oh, sorry, I say we, the, the referees in our games. I mean, um. If- Why does?
0: But why doesn't the linesman in that instance um, you know, sort of wave his flag or something to say, I think you should be doing something here, ref. I'm not, I'm not talking about the bar official; I'm talking about the guy on the thing. They just do it and, and you say what it is and you just say, you know, indicate yellow card, you yep. know, taking the ball away. Because if the ref's got his back to it, he doesn't necessarily see it happening. Uh, but the the, the the linesman on that side had to have seen it happening. Yeah, and perfect. therefore, I think he's been... It's the linesman's been derelict and they want to draw, bring it to the attention of the rep. Um, yeah. But if I can go back on something, is I think that um, Roberto has actually somehow instilled greater fitness in the squad. Mm. And, and one of the ways he's doing that is, he's not doing it every game, but he's he's using sort of four or five subs. So he's trying to, uh, and people like Welbeck, he knows can't play for 90 minutes. He's making sure he comes off. Lillard are the same. He's trying to keep some freshness there. And at the same time, he's keeping some of the fringe players like Lampty, and they're coming on and they're getting, getting regular minutes. It might only be sort of 15, 16 or something. And it's helping maintain the squad's sharpness as well. Hmm. But if you are going to have all this rotation on the pitch, you're going to have, and, and you will effectively playing a back two, which makes you vulnerable, which means you've got to have players who can get back if there is a quick break. And I think you know, a a better quality team than Bournemouth, attack wise, and I think we could have been exposed several times on Saturday. Fortunately they hadn't got the people to actually really make
2: it count. Yeah. Yeah. Uh exactly. Um final word from me on well, a couple of words from me on the Bournemouth game. It was it was amazing how Suddenly, all that they had—something like seven players—went down pretending to have cramp. Sorry, with with cramp. Did I say pretending? No, my 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 mistake. Um, magically, they all seemed to be fine and and a lot fitter as soon as we they went. A goal down. I just wanted to drop that into conversation, um, just as a dig, really, at Bournemouth. I'm glad that at least for once, a time wasting side has got what they, they they deserve by doing that in the end, which is losing to the team trying to play football. Um, it's a shame that wasn't the case with Villa, but anyway. But there's that. But what what I wanted to ask you, just very finally, to wrap off part one, um, man of the match. It was given to Mitama by in in stadium. BBC gives it as mittimer as well. Um, I wasn't quite sure. I mean, he got the, the match winner, of course, that puts him up there. But would you have given it to him? Because I wasn't convinced on that.
0: I mean, I mean personally, I wouldn't. I, there were other people, I thought, who played well. I think, um, uh, I mean, Dunk, Marshall, the defence well. Uh, hmm. Estepinion. Uh, I'm not quite sure what
2: yeah.
0: Hmm. But actually, I think they say to, seems to be Estepinion, almost. Uh, they seem to lose part of it. Uh, towards the end um, I mean he he played well and he has been playing well hasn't he I mean um, you know, he's got five assists so far in all competitions this season
2: yeah I mean, he's done very um, well he just needs a goal now doesn't he but yeah you know, he's, really. he's, he's, I
0: mean it's uh, I mean when, when it looks back on Cucurella Cucurella only got two in the whole season and he's got five yeah. halfway through the season yeah. um, admittedly you know, at least I think two of those have been in the cup but you know He's got them, but he really gets it dangerous I thought.
2: I, I think, think Gilmore did. Gilmore did quite well, and I yeah. strangely I, don't, I, don't, think, but I think for me, maybe Dunk. Who we went really on the, back I foot. Was the other player. Sorry.
0: The, I thought Gross was the other player.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's he got reasonably well rated on some of the sites I've seen, but he was nowhere near the top of it, which is interesting because I thought he he played well. I thought Dunk played well, and as I said, it wasn't the sort of game where we're on the back foot, but and yet he seemed to stand out. Um, it's a hard one to choose, actually. I'm going to have to give further reflection on that one, I think. <laughs> um, but anyway, that that's going to wrap up. Well, one. You know,
0: well, actually, in terms of impact, yeah. the two players who had impact when they came off the bench were, we could see there, obviously. I mean, he had impact, and uh, that clearly helped. Uh, Sarmiento. Because we were looking at Sarmiento. And, and Sarmiento, mm. you know, it was his assist, you know, without the assist, we wouldn't have scored the goal. So, you know, um I think he had a lot of impacts on the end when he came on. He's got very quick feet, um, yep. and we haven't really you know, had a chance to see a lot of him. Uh, he suffered with that injury last season, which is a pity, and I think that's held back some of his development.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, I think he's a star in the making. He's gonna, it's a gentle introduction, really, I suppose, because of the injury. He hit the ground running almost Amazingly well, didn't he? But for a very short period, a couple of sub appearances in the beginning of the West Ham game before he picked the injury up. And then it's been a long road to recovery, but he's it's more of a, a gradual reintegration, isn't it? I think he's getting plenty of time off the bench and obviously a couple of starts in cups and things. Um, it's going to take time, but I, I think he's a great talent. And, um, along with the others, I think, uh, what well, the Ecuadorians, particularly amongst them, are all are all great um really exciting times ahead, even if we do have um, a, an issue with hanging on to two or three of our stars in the summer um well, Raymond, in part two we'll break for part one now in part two we'll talk about um the transfer window a little bit and uh, your thoughts on that, your thoughts on Casado and his stance and what he what he did, and also any other news and other bits you wanted to mention and I think we should mention Manchester City because there's oh, been a- quite a big Uh, bit of news about them uh,
0: Manchester City well uh Manchester closing down the football club isn't it Uh, (laughs) (laughs) on which
2: note (laughs) yes on that on that note we'll have a break and so welcome back to part two with me Russell Guyver your host and my guest the gent, Raymond Wright. Welcome back Raymond. Um, now you're um, you're drinking uh, some beer as well tonight. I, I, I presume you've got your trusty Harvey's Albion Ale there is that what you said you were having? No,
0: it's one of about three or four I have but it, it is. Uh, uh, appropriately I think the Albion Ale um, today from the great Sussex brewer Harvey's.
2: <laughs> yes, marvellous. Well I, I know it well but at the moment I'm trying something you bought me for Christmas which is uh, Red Cat Brewing uh but in particular their scratch um beer which is uh really nice very nice beer i'm enjoying this it's a kind of like a, a golden ale and it's pretty tasty actually so thank you very much i'm enjoying that um I'll <laughs> I'll and and she,
0: next time with, um, yeah, we're down. yeah Winchester.
2: absolutely and um May I just raise a glass to Brian Horton as well? Nobby Horton, who had his birthday two or three days ago. I, I understand. I sent him a birthday message. He said, thanks very much. Delighted that the seagulls are doing so well. He said, so, um, it's great to, uh, great to hear he's still watching the games. I know he, he said when he came on the pod that he uh, enjoyed watching us. Uh, I think he's watching the games every week. So, um, great. Fantastic for, for that as well. Um, In terms of other news, though, there's been a lot of um, Mitama art going on as well. We've got Mitama magic, which I've got on my phone. I'm just showing you, Raymond. Yeah, very sort of. uh, Yeah, it's kind of quite stylish artwork. There's also some tapestry that I've seen online. Um, Again, I don't know if you can see this, and people can Google it online. There's an image of him jumping up uh, in the air, celebrating a goal with uh, Sarmiento, I think it is. Um, And finally, there's the artwork from the. Did the ball cross the line? World Cup goal. This that's like a Japanese anime thing. I'm not sure I can get you to see that. No. Yeah, which yes, I it's mean, a actually, it,
0: it, he's having uh, Mitamura is having huge impact as far as we're concerned in, in attracting Japanese uh, supporters. And uh, yeah, we're, well, we had right. we we, 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 had, put- we had three sitting immediately in front of us, and one literally right next next door to Jane, my wife. Um, so there were four. Uh, around us, but I, I think generally there are a lot, and he's obviously generating a lot of interest in, in Brighton. Mm. And one would like to think that if we are going to go and tour, you know, somewhere else, that you know, perhaps at some stage we should go have a summer tour in Japan because and actually try and max on that um, uh, that interest, particularly while we've um, we've got him. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you know, but also, I think it, it perhaps we should be and we have been linked as our i think Liverpool um with another uh Japanese winger um
2: oh right okay apparently
0: yeah. we're, we're, i mean Liverpool are interested and the story came from Liverpool, but apparently we had another club interested um but you know, we ought to be you know, exploiting that market, having hmm. um got the interest, and if there's one Japanese player with us then. Others might want to go where where a fellow countryman is.
2: Well, um, I, I wouldn't be averse to a, a, a tour of Japan. It's rather convenient because I'm very overdue a visit to see my uh, my sister-in-law and her family, yeah. so that might not be bad. However, if it's in the summer, which is more, most likely, um, it is unbearably humid and hot. <laughs> well, it depends. Actually, it's not so bad earlier in the summer. Um, it's bearable, but uh, there we go. But um, yeah, I mean, the the, but, the, the of interest yeah. is incredible. I
0: mean, Bits of Japan will have slightly different weather because it's
2: really that's true yeah yeah we could we could tailor it according to a, a more climate um climate but um yeah I mean the level of interest um, seems to have gone off the scale. I remember Paul Barber saying that uh, when the Robbie uh, World Cup saw that great upset at the Amex involving the japan team, um how much it's immediate interest there was and people emailing him from all over wanted to come and visit just the venue where it all happened so now you've got a, a a genuine what's looking like world-class or on the way to being world-class player playing for us and the number of japanese fans who were clearly japanese i've, I've got a bit of a kind of like a, i can sort of tell <laughs> sometimes um which part of the Orient in particular. But these, there were absolutely loads and loads of them at the game on Saturday, to the point where I didn't realise when we were talking to that Japanese TV guy before the game, um, but what, as we were chatting to him, there was four of them over here as, as staff. But there was about seven, eight or nine people wandered by just while we were talking to him for a couple of minutes. And after the game, there was more, as you said, and and, and loads of other people I've spoken to have said they had Japanese people sitting around them watching. Um, It's taken off like you wouldn't believe, hasn't it? And yeah, it's it's a market we haven't tapped into before. And I don't want to talk too much about markets and the corporate side of football, but it's a bonus, isn't it? If things go that well. And he's the star of the show on Saturday.
0: But but even if, we can't talk in the short term. Hmm. Perhaps it'd be a good idea to invite one of the top Japanese teams over friendly. to play a pre-season friendly. Yeah, yeah. So that would be another way, and which would, you know, be part of a reciprocal arrangement that we go back the following season.
2: Yeah,
0: so yeah, like that. So it's uh, it is exciting, and he is exciting. He's obviously really quick. What is interesting is I don't think he became. Full time professional until he was about 21, 21 and a half. And I think the implication of that is I haven't double checked and I've been meaning to, that is that he went to university from school. Yeah. And then having got his degree, then was able to go full time football.
2: Yeah.
0: So he's only, he's only just 25. So yeah. he's only really been playing for about three and a half years.
2: Yeah. And, Which is and, incredible a as well. Full
0: time professional.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and of course, famously, I think we probably already mentioned it on the podcast if we haven't. I'll quickly reiterate it now. He studied the art of dribbling for his thesis, and he also, I think, he commissioned um, or, or he got engaged with um, psychologists and uh, people in sort of like the medical departments um, to do with athleticism and how best to to tone your body for the game of football. He, he did a lot of research on various subjects around football to see how best to, to, to perform as a footballer, um, which is interesting. Maybe this is a making up for lost time element. You go to university, you lose some of your football uh, playing days by doing that, but you learn more about the game while you're at uni. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a no-lose situation then. Um, he's an interesting character, clearly intelligent. You know, he's, he's graduated, he's he's done an interesting thesis there. And he's hit the ground running uh, in a way that a lot of players coming to the Premier League from completely elsewhere can't do. And he's really risen so quickly, hasn't he? Yeah,
0: but in some, in some ways, having a, a, a sort of a not going from, say, school, sort of junior sport, uh, straight into the top level, and having a and, and sort of maturing as a person, maturing physically not putting your body under quite so much strain for for two or three years, and then coming in, might be a better way of preparing. You might have greater longevity doing that than actually going straight in. I mean, Gary Lineker, from what I remember, did a degree um, when he was quite young. When he was, I think, at Leicester, I think he was being a professional and doing a degree at the university there. Um, So... You know, it, I mean, you can twin it, but you can't twin it when you're playing international football, Champions League, and all this sort of thing at the same time, because you, know, you might be sitting at exam when you're meant to be playing a football match in Paris or something. But it's yeah. but in the early part of your career, it might be possible hmm. if if you're a very disciplined person, um, and therefore c- coming at it in a, in a, in a, from a different stance, having when you're You've thought about the game, and then
2: uh,
0: you've you kept your phys- physicality. You, you've still trained. You've still kept yourself very fit. Might, might be good.
2: Yeah, indeed. I mean,
0: on, on, on that basis, it's, if I could just digress totally, Russell, from mm. on that to uh, how I think certain players and certain managers suit certain clubs.
2: Ah, yes. Yeah.
0: So, and, and what I'm going to say is that you take. Eddie uh, Howe, I mean, he, he was successful at, initially at Bournemouth, goes to Burnley. Um, I'm not sure i want to go to Burnley, but, you know, but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, but you know, sort of cold northwest, west wet north-west, but did not work out for him at all there. Mm. Goes back well, to partly due
2: to family issues, I think, as well, yeah. to be fair, but I don't think it was going especially well on yeah. the field either. But, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I think back performance was reasonably successful. Um, obviously, difficult trying to complete uh, uh, in the time. They had two or three good seasons, then one 4 1. Um, he then went out of football for a number of months. Mm. And I think it gave him a chance to rethink, reboot, and everything else. And he seems to be doing a fantastic job at Newcastle, and mm. uh, he, he seems to shoot. And you, know, you think of players, Kukarilla goes to Brighton and I think there have been some family issues there as well, but he has been less effective at Chelsea, where where he could be successful where there was very much a team environment rather than going to a club where there are a whole lot of so-called superstars. So I think it's harder to, you know, if you're a, a really good player but not, haven't got that an extra bit, a la a Kane or somebody like that, yeah. going to a big club with big egos, it's not as easy.
2: Yeah, looking and, at... Um... I was going to say, looking at some managers, and you said how, how certain managers suit certain clubs and not others, and probably it's true of players as well. But having, having looked through the EFL and keeping a close eye on that through all the, all the recent years, there's so many managers that fit into that category. Probably the most obvious would be Nathan Jones, who did really well at Luton, went to Stoke, and it was a disaster, quite frankly. Went back to Luton, and it was, despite some an animosity from some of the fans who didn't like him having abandoned them in the first place, he, he was accepted back in. And he did exceptionally well on a very low budget and proportional to the rest of the teams in the championship, uh, pushing really hard. and And then he's moved to Southampton. and Okay, that's a big ask. You know, no experience in the Premier League, a team on a downer, already struggling. Not the easiest of tasks. And it may still work out for him. Who knows? But there's a lot of fans that didn't want him, and there's certainly plenty more that don't want him now. Um, but there's loads of examples of that, isn't there? And, as you said, Eddie Howe has just uh, has gone from strength to strength, and I think yeah, they've signed two, three, or four high-profile players there, but they haven't gone totally mad. Um, they've spent a lot less than Nottingham Forest have really, um, and yet they've they've I think excelled themselves really, and much as begrudges me to say because I don't want to see a Saudi-funded Newcastle doing well. And um, they are doing well, and in fact, they are our, our target team for the Champions League, aren't they, Raymond? They're 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 first in line for for us to try and catch, aren't they? Now, in terms of, they basically they're fourth in the table. They're the team to catch now. United have overtaken them. Um, I doubt we'll catch them, <laughs> but um, you know, it's they've done very well. Interesting subject. Well, I,
0: think, I mean, Howe I think has had the chance to look at the game, decide how it should be played, looked at the the squad. I mean. He probably had a view on all those sports. When that job came up, he, he looked at it and said, "Yes, I can. I think there are people who can defend. I can get a good type defence if I can get a good defensive midfielder." Which he did. He got a very good one. Yeah. Interesting to see how they do while he's out injured. Um,
2: yeah. They just but- plug the, plug the gaps, don't they? They pick the right players that they needed urgently. What what he has done, he he's made much better players out of Almirón. Longstaff, who I, I wasn't sure was up to the job, to be honest with you, um, and um, one or two others. I'm trying to think who. Else, obviously, uh, Callum Wilson. It was a matter of injuries. Always so the,
0: the guy they spent a lot of money on, um, who he's moved away from
2: being a striker. Um, oh well, yes, Joel uh, Joelington jo- jo as well. Yeah, yeah awesome. and also also on top of that, um, he's um, he's managed to keep the quality of burn going i wasn't sure burn would manage to perform as well anywhere else as he was doing under potter i thought it was one of those things where potter was just the perfect fusion with him and the club and it was going to work out so much better than he would have he would have liked it to to have been the same at newcastle i wasn't sure it would be but to be fair he seems to be doing fine doesn't he dan burn and and by all accounts a lovely guy so good luck to him um some friends of the show have met him in a pub in Newcastle, actually, when they went up to one of the games. He just strolled into Brewdog and, um, and just saw they were Brighton fans and chatted to them. Had a really nice chat for 10, 15 minutes, got some photos and went on his way. Um, so good luck to him, a nice guy. But um, not to Newcastle overall, though. <laughs> um, well, I don't think, the
0: fact, that it it's a boyhood club. Everybody was quite happy.
2: Yeah, that yeah And I think
0: it was a, a Brighton. The fee we got, I thought, was a fair fee for him, about about four times what we paid for him. Um, so that was reasonable. And it gave him a chance to to live his boyhood dream. And I think everybody was satisfied. Newcastle and their fans are clearly satisfied. Um, yeah. So all, hmm. all, all good for that. But I, I think it's um, sometimes it's just taking a break from a game and being able to relook at it, and to, yeah. uh, and it which is what happened with him. I mean, you're talking about managers. And ups and downs. I mean, someone like David Moyes, you know, I mean, very successful at Everton, goes to Manchester United, succeeding Alex Ferguson, not an easy thing. And Manchester United seem to have this problem where they have a very successful manager, Bitt Busby, and then they get, and then they have real problems trying to replace him, eventually uh, get Ferguson, who wasn't doing that well, and then suddenly, just not long before he might have been fired, suddenly
2: starts hitting a form. And David, David Moyes at West Ham has done, uh, was a good fit for West Ham, even though there was some apprehension. And he's also not a good fit at the moment because they've been struggling, funny enough, at the same club. But, <clears throat> but that is, but
0: how much is that the, the European competition factor?
2: Yeah, to be fair, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of it. It's a lot of it, I think. And people have just gone off the boil slightly, plus all that fatigue. It's why Liverpool are struggling so badly this season and to a, to a certain degree, Man City as well, I think.
0: Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, away last year. I mean, there's a friend who's a Man City supporter who so said they've lost their last three away games. I oh. hadn't actually knew they'd lost games, but I hadn't realised it. The last three actual away games, one in the cup and two in the league. Yeah. So. Well,
2: you mentioned managers, and obviously I, I mentioned earlier um, that uh, Jesse Marsh had been sacked by Leeds, and it, it seems like the Raya Va- Cano manager in Eola might be coming in, Iriola, sorry, who's, um, who's got them up to fifth in La Liga. Um, one person they won't be going for is Sean Dyche, because he's already gone to Everton, which although it's maybe a change of philosophy for Everton, it's um not that really they've got a very clear philosophy. But I, I think it's probably the, the least exciting they could have gone for, but it's probably the most practical and the most likely to get them to survive. And what a start they beat. The 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 five-point clear leaders, Arsenal, 1-0. And it, from the highlights, which can be misleading a bit to the highlights on match of the day suggested they deserved it. They were bombarding their goal until they scored. And, um, of course, what did Man City do? They failed to take advantage and lose to their bogey team, Tottenham. But, uh, I mean, what do you think uh, about it?
0: It, it? I mean, isn't that a story that actually... Yeah. Arsenal have a favour done by their arch-rivals top
2: I know. It's a sweet, <laughs> I think, for, for Spurs fans, that one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, uh, uh, well, also from Arsenal, you know, they, they wouldn't want not with the win but they are going to win they want them to beat their nearest people in the table So yeah
2: exactly I mean, yeah, yeah. Arsenal would, would rather Spurs missed out on the Champions League and in fact talking about us slightly half-jokingly if we're trying to catch the the Newcastles we're trying to catch the Spurses as well And that was a bit annoying from our point of view because it's feasible that we could overtake Spurs this season um, so I'd rather in one sense that they would have lost to City would have made the title race a bit closer yeah. as well I suppose um,
0: unfortunately in football you can't have both teams in the one game, losing. It's a great shame. You can't yes, have... Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know,
0: was... Which is what would be the perfect result, you know. Yeah. Boston, Tottenham losing, Man City losing. But anyway, um, hmm. moving on to sort of um, players and things of some of the Brighton players. Some of the, I mean, Ben White has, has done well since his SR, Arsenal. Dan Byrne has done well. Um, it would be interesting to see how Trossard has done. Pissouma doesn't look. In the Tottenham setup, the player he was at Brighton, I mean I've seen him play and I've seen quite a lot of the things that he was doing at Brighton happening, but not but he doesn't seem to be getting the regular starts. Um, so you know, one Cucurello I've already mentioned, which I think have been his family issues. Um, I just think for certain players, like going to a big six club, just however much that they might dream of it. Just isn't right. I I don't know how you test players' mentality for uh, yeah. you know, big six, so that you fit into a big six club. And, and you take some coming the other way. Somebody like Lamptey was probably not really going to get a run at Chelsea in the right back position, given the at uh, that time strength that they had there. Obviously, James for you know, for one. Um, but then you know, he came down to us, and until his injury was you know, really lighting up the. Premier League and he's only really just now getting back beginning to get back to close to his attacking um, sort of highlights i suppose if that's the right word but mm. he's, he's get, just getting that, that verb back, but he's mm. still not quite at that same pace mm. that he had but uh, you know, i think he's i think he's benefiting under roberto and march of course is is the uh, person who's really been set free by Roberto? I mean, you know, he's almost a different player.
2: Yeah, and that might make the difference in us getting into Europe. We have gone back up to sixth. We did go down to seventh after Fulham drew with Chelsea on Friday night, which was probably the best result for us because it, it, although it meant Fulham going temporarily ahead, it meant if we get a result against Bournemouth if we go back ahead of them. So we are we gained two points on both of those sides, and we've also gained points on Liverpool, who are still below us. I think they're now, f- uh, four or five points behind us. Um, they lost three nil to Wolves. I, I don't mind them losing because we want to gain ground on Liverpool, but three nil kind of takes the edge off Ireland a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, you know, very quickly though, Raymond, just, just steering things away from that because we've only got a few more minutes we want to wrap up in, don't we? Um, any other news from the weekend? I was going to say, if you've got anything, throw it in, but I wanted to get your opinion on very quickly on the transfer window, whether you felt we did well enough with it. And um, we've got four players in some of whom are developmental signings. Obviously this, this guy, Yari looks like a, a talent. He might be integrated in the first team in the second half of this season. When an we've, we've seen who who was tied up actually before the window and then just formalized as soon as it opened. Um, he He's already come on and made his debut as a late sub, as we mentioned. Um so I'm pretty pleased with what we signed, but are you disappointed with what we haven't signed? Um, and what's your take on Caicedo? Well, the around that?
0: why don't we start with the Caicedo? I, I, I mean, there was a part of me who would have been quite pleased if, you know, if Arsenal come back with an £80 million and we sold him for £80 million. if only because selling a player for £80 million would have been you know, something I would have never dreamt of. And yeah. I've been... I, I didn't
2: dream of turning down seventies. Yeah. <laughs> really? yeah. That's, well, that's but, incredible. But, in its but yes, but, I get your point.
0: But I have been first went to watch in early 1958, so that's a yeah, that's sort of sixty years ago, um, or more than. And um, you know, to so actually be even having players of that sort of caliper, I think he'll go in the summer. Uh, I, I mean, that's my my reading. I think everybody accepts that. I think the club accept that. That's the impression one gets. Uh Roberto did say you know the best thing for all of us is that you know, he stays for the end of the season till the end of the season, and then changing at the end of the season, yeah you know, that's a different matter. he wants to change club so uh, Roberto before the, the Arsenal bids came in uh, and it was about the time the Chelsea bid came in, did sort of um, give the green light so yeah, you can go you can go in the summer. Mm. In spite of that, uh, you know, by but, but saying we're, he is not for sale now, quite definitely, Arsenal still progressed, which uh, putting in one offer, I could understand the second offer didn't seem to make sense given that we were saying he's not for sale.
2: Um, yeah, the Arsenal fans I know were getting irritated with the fact they wasted time on what was clearly a dead duck deal.
0: Um, yeah,
2: but other people it caused damage, if anything, to the relationship.
0: But other people have uh, quoted for pundits and, and ex-players have sort of said, but we should have accepted the offer. What, 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 what was the should be about it? You know, yeah. they, they assume that clubs like Brighton, Bournemouth, Southampton, or ought to sell to the big six because they're the big six. I mean, what a conceit. I mean, if that is the attitude of the clubs, the big six clubs, then they should start with minus 20 points.
2: <laughs> and we'll get on to Man City a little bit on this subject in a moment yeah, but but
0: on. no club has a divine right to anything the no. No, great thing about the Premier League is that mm. no club has a divine right to be in the Premier League and, no, and it's not always um, the same clubs you do get uh, a Leicester suddenly coming up and winning or a Derby or a Notts Forest going back and content, um, in, or a in Ipswich so all of these things have happened. You know, An unfashionable club comes up and is, is successful for a short period of time. Yeah. And that's the great joy of it. And it very rarely happens in any other league. I mean, it's Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. You know, but yeah. there's not really going to be anybody outside of those two or three. It might happen once in a while. Well, Italy is a little bit more thing because you have the two, two Milans, you've got Juventus. And, and uh, it used to days gone by, Torino were, forced, mm. were oh, a force. Napoli have been successful. Roma, etc. There are a few um, in Germany. Again, it's only two or three clubs, but most leagues you go through, and it's the same three or four clubs mm. at most. The Premier League have knows no
2: can with it. No, that's it. It's and, it's, yeah. it's it's an ongoing challenge, really. And to, to, but yeah, as you said, I, I'll. I don't see why everyone's very entitled, including the pundits, seem to be quite entitled about what they think we should do. What we need to do is what we keep doing, which is the right thing. We keep doing the right thing in terms of transfer policy. We're not going to get everything right, but we certainly were right not to sell him in this window. And I think that the fans have taken quite a bit of heed in the notion that the the, the agent was behind that social media tweet to try and engineer or to preempt the move. i think he's uh,
0: i think he's, he's said that
2: he yeah he, he said he it. said he he helped he helped um script the message well he wrote the message and he basically <laughs> and um well, that's
0: been a, it's, uh, there's, well,
2: there's one guy at. um i think it's called um um i can't remember what they're called now something football football Divisional or something, aren't they? Um, yeah, whoever the guy is that's working them. It, 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 it was a poorly poorly managed scenario. I think the fans have largely forgiven that particular act because the reception, both when he was warming up as a substitute on a couple of occasions, and when he came on the pitch against Bournemouth in that game, uh, were very favourable, very warm, very loud in their appreciation of him. I think he was a bit not quite knowing how to take it. He wasn't sure if he should applaud or... Yeah, you know, or how how warmly he should receive the warm welcome or not, he might have felt a bit awkward, perhaps. But um, it was it was a really good reception for him, and I hope that he and we can just get on with the business at hand until the summer, where I I agree with you, he will get sold. Um, what I'm hoping is that um, it will be an amicable and a, a, and also a very good price, but an amicable deal, whoever it, it is in the end. But uh, people are gradually learning what we're about, aren't they?
0: And I think the other good thing was that Paul Barber in the programme did actually ask people to give him a good reception.
2: So, Which, was had said in, in the press as well during the week. And and the yeah.
0: that that the players are behind him and support him them. So, you know, I think the club and all the everybody connected with the club is doing everything. Why, obviously, a, a really serious injury apart, the uh, agents will say, oh, another opportunity like this. Um. you know may, may never come again. And obviously, interest. Not upon. very
2: confident in their client then. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, does he not think he's good enough to? You know, if he stays fit and things, he's not good enough to get another offer or, or, or like that. I mean, if I was Casido you know, and I had seen that comment with that obvious caveat, I yeah. would think, well, this guy doesn't really believe in me.
2: Yeah, because it's not as if he's twenty nine or thirty; and he's got one more significant move and one more significant payday in terms yeah, of starting, Is it, it twenty one? Yeah, only just twenty one. I think isn't he as it well. It? Yeah. well? Yeah. Well, we've got a conscious time, and We've got to wrap it up in a moment, but I've got to ask you about one more subject before we finish, which is about some news that's broken this week to do with Manchester City. I won't go into the details now too much, other than to say there's a reported one hundred or so. Um, more than a hundred, more than a hundred alleged offences dating back from 2009 through to 2018, which is the period that they've been under scrutiny for. The investigation started in 2018, and it's only now that they've come to the, their full conclusions. And they're they're accusing City of essentially multiple breaches to do with, um, du- well to do with. Deceptive sponsorship um, arrangements, they're not allowed to be sponsored by themselves because that's cheating FFP. And there's a suggestion that might be the case. Something to do with declaring all um, payments to players income, something to do with um, wages of people like coaches. I think Mancini in particular was mentioned being sure. between two companies. So someone else is paying half the money, which, of course, turns out to be. Uh, someone affiliated no. with yeah that's that's the accusations um obviously this is depends if they're found guilty on this it does sound like there's a hell of a lot of accusations out there so it suggests they probably are guilty of something um Raymond you're famous for your what we call your Raymondisms which are your ultra harsh well not harsh ultra um ultra strict and um, punishments um simple effective straight to the point what have you got in mind for this one if they well, should
0: be I mean, I mean, first of all, uh, the good thing is that part of the things in, on the UEFA um, thing, uh, some of the evidence that the PL would be able to look at uh, had been time-barred for the UEFA one. So the UEFA one, we're only looking at about four years.
2: Yeah, they've got a remit, um, they've got a um, limitation, haven't they, which is five yeah, years, whereas the Premier League don't.
0: That's a whole lot got uh, under the wall, which Europe weren't able to look at, which was crazy. Anyway, stupid. Um, I think from that viewpoint, if somebody's transgressed, you can't say oh, well, that was... I think some of them were literally sort of a week or so before the the deadline. I mean, Mm -hmm. look at them in in total. Don't try and say we can't look at this, you can't look at that. You either look at it and examine it or you don't. Um, It's quite clear from from what people like Kieran McGuire were saying, that they have... um, and desfield which is a you know, high-quality German paper, that uh, they've got it. I mean, one of the things that the Man City are crying is that uh, they got some of these emails because they hacked illegally. Well, you know, it's, uh, the fact that you hadn't hidden them, you know, doesn't mean to say that they've come to light. Perhaps they, they shouldn't have hacked illegally, but nonetheless they did. And th- th- those emails exist. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's just tough. Um, I think it's a difference in culture, because I think that in that part of the world, if you are a boss, if you own something, I think there is a tendency to think that it's your business and you can do what the hell you want. And if you choose to pay half of somebody's salary out of company A and half out of company B, that's your business. Uh, As long as they declare all their income, you're not bothered. And there used to be a time when people could be employed in Britain um, who were foreigners who had part of their duties were in England or Britain and part of their duties were international, but that international office was based in the UK. And that so you could have a contract for your UK duties and you could have a contract for your non-UK duties, perfectly legally and everything else. Yeah. Uh, that I think has now sort of loopholes been closed in a sense, but it was a li- illegitimate loophole, and mm-hmm. I think it's been born. Some of the things the sort of arrangements we're talking about have been born out of that, I suspect, culture. And obviously, if you were somebody who was non domiciled under the old rules, which finally sort of started changing in two thousand eight, again in about sixteen, um, you were doing it so that you... income. You were taxed um, on your income arising or remitted to Britain and any gains made in Britain. So as long as you kept certain things offshore, you could do so. So typically, if you wanted to get a mortgage on a house in England and you had those sort of contracts, you would have a mortgage with a Jersey bank, for the sake of argument. It might be a mainstream one you know, um, a NatWest or a, a Barclays or a Lloyds or whatever. So you were paying from your overseas income into the Jersey branch, right. what mm-hmm. you had to pay for your mortgage. And you weren't having to remit it to Britain to pay for the mortgage over here. So you only, you, your pay package was structured, you had enough money to live on in Britain and uh, apply to your duty. so if you're working three days a week in Britain, two days a week somewhere else, you could have 60% and 40%. Yeah, so that's where I think it's been born out of, yeah. and it was perfectly legitimate, you know, sensible tax planning, um, but it has to be a genuine situation.
2: Yeah, and this is this has got to be. Um, Fitting the financial fair play rules because it, it, it's, it's which is a someone rule for throwing ridiculous amounts of money, yeah. and, and this, is,
0: and this is different from tax competition. And, if, and if you own a company, you'll probably say, Hold on, I'm not doing anything illegal, why should yeah. I be penalized for it? And I suspect that people that their own a club you know, resent the fact that they're having to do something different from what legally and in every other way they are able to do, yeah. And yeah, I
2: think- they're signing up for the Premier League, which has those rules. That prevent that. That's that's the issue. If they have an issue with that, they shouldn't have, shouldn't, shouldn't get involved in the Premier League, surely, because it's uh, Premier League rules. And it looks like the Premier League is going to go to town with them. Now, it, it could be anything from fi- fines, which they won't, won't care about, um, to points deductions, to transfer embargoes, uh, to other restrictions. Or, or even,
0: in quote, quoting from an uh, article uh, read today, yeah, um, and I think I think it's Kevin McGuire actually mm-hmm. uh, actually saying could even be thrown out of the Premier League.
2: Yeah, and there's no guarantee the EFL would have to... They don't have to accept them in there. So, bizarrely, I've been following Worthing as my hometown team. If they manage to get up via the playoffs, which they probably won't, but they might do, they could end up playing Man City next season. <laughs> I, <was laughs> like, yeah, I might go to that game. Um, but no, I'll be joking. It's, it's unlikely that'll happen. because obviously- I I, think, I, think, I just don't think
0: we... we sh- we should roll over on this. No,
2: one. I mean, they're, they're flagrantly ignoring a huge number of rules according to what this report seems to suggest. Um, there's got to be it some... not it?
0: I mean, clearly, um, you know, what they... I mean, I think that the, the worst one, in a sense, than the contractual one uh, for the managers of things, is the fact that they were dressing up what clearly appears or been alleged that the money's come from the owners I, as either sponsorship or uh, donations from other sources. Yeah. And, and That, I think, is because that is a, a deliberate deceit as opposed to just having arranged something in a particular way. Yeah. Therefore, um, but the well, other, They won't take on that. Apart money from, from the, the income, this it, it, it is also all the costs. They've been, on the one hand, saying the income has come from the right sources, so it, it, it meets FFP rules, and the other, they've been reducing the costs. And the combination of those two things enabled them to do it. And what what was being said in the in the article was that um, how much of this you know, is, you know, as the fingers are going to be, is everybody in the PL starting to point fingers at everybody else. If it starts at Manchester City, is Manchester City going to then point at, at uh, Manchester United, who then point at Liverpool, who then point at Tottenham, who then point at Chelsea, who then, well, Chelsea, and they all point at Chelsea. And
2: then- <laughs>
0: Chelsea I'm thinking uh, of
2: Chelsea at the moment.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, it then becomes City. Yeah. So you, you end up with a sort of situation where Arsenal get fined... Uh, or deducted 30 points. Man City gets an deducted 50 points. Um, and somebody who's only actually got 30 points in the whole season, because of all the deductions, ends up winning the Premier League. <laughs>
2: <laughs> By default, with an asterisk. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, mean, what's your Raymondism for this? Do you think they should be throwing well, like, out the, the whole I thing?
0: Think if they are um, guilty of this, it either has to, I think, one of, or a combination of. Huge deduction of points, yeah. big fine, and transfer embargo for something like six or seven windows. Whoa. <laughs> yeah! Now, I'm well, not saying all yeah. of those at the maximum, hmm. but some sort of thing. So, yeah. I mean, the formula I came up with is that if you overspent, uh, this is on a pure mathematical formula that if you overspend in a particular season by 20 million, just for the sake of argument, um, that you get uh, a 10 million per fine on the first 10 million you overspend. So you get a fine on the first 10 million, and, and, and not a huge fine, 1 or 2 million, something like that, normal. On the next 10 points, uh, sorry, the next 20 points up to 30 points, um, you lose a um, point every other game
2: next 10 to 20 million pounds you mean
0: no so 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 the first 10 million you pay a straight fine of a couple of million so between 10 million overspend and 30 million you end up getting a a 10 point deduction right for (laughs) every point every million above 30 million you lose you lose two points
2: Mm. Hmm. so
0: if you if you overspend by the 100 million that Manchester City would have done i, I worked it out i haven 't reworked it out, but it meant that at the time we were talking with Paul Barber um, mm. some years ago that Manchester City, even if they won all the games in the season, would have ended up with only something like like sort of twenty seven twenty eight points and would have been relegated
2: <laughs> yeah. but,
0: it, well, any, but they would carry forward. Hmm any of the points that hadn't been used up in that relegation to the next season in the next league done. So they might start the next season with minus fifteen points.
2: Hmm. Yep. Well, I mean, it, it may need something as extreme as that to prevent people from doing this. Who knows? I mean, um, uh, it does uh, distort. And, uh, it, 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 we can see integrity of tournaments a bit when you start starting points, but if people insist on breaking the rules to a flagrantly large I'm, degree, then what... I'm just know? saying, it,
0: it's a, it ought hmm. to be a, a straight mathematical formula, so yeah. there's no argument. It's not arbitrary how much that you know, the thing is. It's all laid out in advance, we you can go, this is what will happen, and if that's what you've overspent by that's what will happen to you, whoever yeah. you are. It's on a on a set formula, whatever the set formula is.
2: Well, uh, fair enough, Raymond. We're going to sort leave it there. Um, interesting ideas. I mean, who knows what will happen? We, I'm sure I'll talk on the next podcast, which is. Uh, uh, we've got a preview of the Palace game and we're also going to do a match day special for the Palace game. Uh, I'm sure further debate, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Peter will have something to say about this as well, this Man City scenario and and the referee on the, the Bournemouth game. Um, but I'm sure... No, I'm engaging opinions no from a number of people, I think it's going to be interesting to see, but I can't imagine there's going to be much sympathy from anyone. No,
0: I mean, if, you know, if they're innocent, fair enough. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, if they're innocent, then fine. But and, and it's
0: going, I believe it's... Uh, uh, they've appointed an independent person, uh, yeah. some, and of course
2: company. they'll have the expensive lawyers to to yeah, find any loopholes yeah. whatsoever. And
0: somebody, um, uh, Rosen C- Casey, who, yeah. who
2: is going to be yeah. doing it. Um, Casey, we've got to say Casey now, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, Casey.
0: yeah. 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 so he'll be doing it. So I think yeah. from that viewpoint, it's proper, and they uh, a proper independent um, constitutional legal thing. I have to say. Uh, my understanding is that because it's a domestic thing, it cannot go to somewhere like the Court of Arbitration for Sport.
2: That's
0: so, right. So I actually think, they're possibly, not fit for the purpose. <laughs> well, that's a, a problem. Yeah, some of their decisions, like the one the original one of Man City, was I thought uh, a bit bizarre. Um, I think I might how I put it. I wasn't sure how they arrived there, but some of their other decisions, on other things like like transgender and things like that. A, a totally different sports mm. have not necessarily always been you know, that clear and that, that obvious so um, a, a decision to have made mm. and, you know, and there ought to be it shouldn't you know, I think each sport should have its own top independent power
2: yeah. And, yeah. but the final thing I think you asked me about regulators back, coming in for football
0: I mean you yeah. asked me about the transfer window I was slightly disappointed in the sense that we didn't bring in more things partly because I would have liked to have Seen a replacement for Trossard. And and I would have liked to have seen another defender coming in because I think we're short of resource Hmm.
2: Um, defensively. We get Matt Vienko, didn't we? But um, yeah, I think it's a shame. But yeah, yeah, there's always more we could have done, definitely. Um, But we move on and said next up is Palace. Oh, good old friends. And we've actually got a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. So it's not live on TV for a change. Um, recent times, the TV companies have picked up on the uh, the notion that this is a big rivalry. Um, but this is going to be, yeah, it's going to be a Saturday kickoff. I'll be there. We'll be doing a preview and a match day special for that one. So that's coming up next. Um, do you think we might get a win, Raymond? I think it's
0: going to be. well. For, in, in local derbies like this go straight out of the window, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. As you pointed out the other day on a, a, a WhatsApp group, um, a sort of WhatsApp group, that it is, um, they have quite a tight pitch. Um, the yeah. surface isn't always that great. Um, and they do actually, I mean, they're, they're quite a well organised team. They do have a, a very good work yeah. ethic. So I yeah. think, and, you know, obviously playing Brighton, as, as I said at the beginning, uh, is, a, you know, they're going to be up for it. So I don't think it's going to be easy. And we're huh? still be without Ferguson and um, we're still going to be uh without Lana
2: yeah they might be without Zaha by the sounds of it but they then they've got players like Elise and Eze who, who are good so they'll have some creativity as well well let's hope for the best so what do you think I'm 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 not I'm gonna have a think about it before I come up with my notion later on in the next pod. I, so, think, uh,
0: I mean I I wouldn't be too disappointed dece- mean, if we got some form of result I'd, I'd probably be not unhappy. I think I'd be obviously delighted with the win, yeah. Uh, not be unhappy with the result, yeah. um, but you know it's it's a tricky one, and you know the difficulty is when you're on a good run, you can suddenly hit banana skin. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's it. Well, um Raymond, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a while since you've been on, so it's good to get you back on. Uh, thank you very much for your contribution, and um thank you for the beer as well, which I've really enjoyed. That was the Red Cat oh. Brewing. Well,
0: and, right. and also, yeah, thank you for the reference to excellent Japanese meal. Uh, now we know uh, what uh, Mithola, uh, is likes eating and everything else, so we can understand <laughs> why, he, why he flies down the wing
2: so fast. Indeed, yeah, we had some Japanese food together on Friday, for anyone that's wondering. Um, yeah, it was very good, I actually enjoyed that. Um, so that, that wraps it up. So thank you again, Raymond. And I'm going to sign out in the usual way by saying, stand or fall, up the Albion.